Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Why are we measuring in seconds? I mean, this makes no sense. So what I think has to happen is we've got to give users the choice. Who says 10 days? Suppose you're doing work at a hospital and a technician just keeps coming back and now um, you can't connect to the network because Apple now decides that they don't want to resend an authentication. Now, it's technically not your Wi-Fi network's problem, but it is because Apple's saying it is. So everybody's pushing the ball back and forth with each other. So I think we need choices and I think people need to understand what technology is going to cause us. And when you talk about, you know, the pen or any other device, this consortium needs to be set up. I mean, most people don't realize that the big G letter, I'm not gonna mention the name, but we know who I'm talking about, said that they came up with a chip because they came up with the idea of no trust. They didn't come up with no trust. They said they did. And with the first, let's say, search partner to say that everything had to be no trust, including their own devices. Well, that did come from them. It came from the W3C. But they took credit for it and said that it was their idea, but it wasn't. And I think if it would have been passed off as a standard, you know, unless you're part seconds. of the W3C consortium, nobody really knows what's going on, Paul. Exactly. And that's we need problem. a consortium for the IoT and privacy. It's going to be an issue. And I think another problem I see is that now that we have drones, I always joke about this, you're going to have a rider on your insurance policy. Because if you get more than two deliveries, let's say a year, well, you might have an additional $500 rider to cover yourself and other people that the drone may possibly crash into, like their window or their dining room. Now, I know we... Two, one, zero... Craig Media Labs. Well, welcome once again to the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. Welcome, Marcus. It's great to have you here. How are you doing this fine Friday afternoon or evening, I should say? Oh, I'm doing outstanding, John. It's great to be back with you again you know, and to get some of your good wisdom. Oh, it's great to be here again to see you as well. You know, uh, something happened this week. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, you know, a lot of times things happen with technology and some people, sh- you know, kind of sweep it under the rug like it never happened. <laughs> well, this week we really couldn't do that. Uh, Microsoft really got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Now, it wasn't Microsoft's fault, I'm going to say per se, but it is because Microsoft had vulnerabilities in their software. And that allowed, let's say, the Chinese and the Russian people to mm-hmm. basically pop in. And I want to make a quote that they said, and I quote, they're being hacked faster than we can count, says a security company. <laughs> so that's a problem because what happened this week, Marcus, should have never happened. Uh, there were issues with solar winds having um, uh, basically uh, patches that were not deployed. And they're causing issues to the Microsoft Exchange servers, which is a big, big thing because Microsoft Exchange is what encompasses more than, I'm going to say, 75% or more of corporate email. 
for a lot of your publicly traded companies, when you hear Office 365 or somebody that has a hosted 365 account, well, yeah. that's using Microsoft Exchange. And um, the cyber people will really having a field day with this. And cyber criminals just doing things to basically try to take us apart, Marcus. And even this week, I got to tell you, we're really putting a lot of fires out for things coming in from Russia and China, just bots trying to attack uh, web forms like crazy. I mean, we were blocking them and they would literally keep changing IPs and not just one IP. We get rid of an entire block and they'd come up with another one. So they couldn't do it right away. It would take them 24 hours, but yeah. they kept grabbing another one. And because they're overseas, their regulations over there aren't too strong. And so they could do whatever the heck they want, unfortunately. I got to tell you one thing about it is that like the whenever you hear like just uh, <laughs> someone say by the thousands it, that they couldn't count, it, it is so scary. And the mention of corporate uh, involved in, in corporations involved and in, in, in they're, they're being susceptible to this. This, yes. this, this is scary. It is so scary. It is because, you know, a lot of times people are told that there's a challenge and they need to take care of it, but they don't. I'm not going to mention the company, but a, a client we were working with this week, one of their companies that does, let's say their medical billing, we found a vulnerability. So we reported it and we blocked them from accessing that billing server this week. And they called us up and said, hey, John, we can't get through. I said, I know you can't get through. We blocked you. Well, why'd you do that? Well, because the site you're going to is masquerading as something else than what we expect it to be. So now we're having a conversation with this third-party company, and they're not admitting there's a problem, but they're asking me what we have, what equipment we have, and they want to give me a Band-Aid to work around and disable my firewall so that it allows the traffic to go through. I said, well, that's lying. We don't want to do that. No, I said, no, we don't want to do that. So they have all these people call me. I said, well, I just want to let you know, you guys are in basically a real problem here in hot water because uh, you're borderlining a HIPAA violation. And I want to remind you that we started a $20,000 fine per violation. And if your company is found to be responsible for this, not only are you responsible, but my client is also responsible. And I'm sure they're going to come after you for damages. Okay, okay. Uh, we understand what's going on. Uh, you know, we want to keep everybody happy, uh, but we don't really know what we need to do is really the long and the short of it. And they don't even want to talk to me anymore because now they know it's going to cost some bucks to come up with a secure extended validation certificate. They send me all these documents to read, Marcus. And I said, I don't need to know how to get around it. Okay. I want to fix the problem. And it's obvious you guys don't want to spend the money. And I have to let my client know that you are in a serious predicament because you're not willing to fix it today. You're saying you're going to fix it, but it might take weeks. You know, this is not like fixing a, a roof or some <laughs> drywall where you can just patch it up and keep it moving. And, you know, if corporations don't start realizing this very early on when they set up some of these perimeters, they, yes, you know they're gonna put everybody just at risk of just being hacked all the time and and, and having precious data taken. 
And not only that, Marcus, it is PHI, personal health information. And that is so serious. I mean, financial data is serious too, but personal health information, that's critical. And I think, um, you know, this needs to be addressed. And right now, everybody's got so much going on with COVID that the um, HIPAA police really don't have time to, to be monitoring this. And I think that's why a lot of these countries right now are really trying to attack us because we've got our head focused on saving the population and not worrying about a breach. Well, you and I have talked about this before. We talked about the world going into automation. You know, it's already happening. Factories, and we talked about that one robot that could even bring uh, you and your partner uh, dinner and pour a glass of wine or possibly throw the wine at you. Uh, but, you know, it's getting more into artificial intelligence, uh, robotics, and having a uh, collaboration of where that's going to go with our world and affect the production, productivity, and the growth of our economy and the ecosystems of our world. Our next guest, uh, Marcus, is an amazing man, Mr. Paul Claxton. Uh, he is with a company called the Robotics Hub. He's a venture partner. He's an AI robotics entrepreneur. He's a board advisor. He's a public speaker. He is a U.S. Marine veteran. And, and thank you so much, Paul, for your service. We really appreciate that. And he is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to innovation and robotics. And he's currently working on a program with the Harvard Extension School. Please help me welcome today to the J. Moore Paul Claxton to talk to us about where robotics are going with artificial intelligence. And welcome to the show, Paul. It's great to have you here tonight. It's good to be here, John. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. You have an amazing background. And although tonight we're not going to be able to cover everything, I'm sure we're probably going to ask you to come back because you have some very interesting areas being an engineer. I'm very, um, let's say, interested in a lot of the different disciplines uh, that you've got wrapped up in, which is pretty amazing. But the one uh, that really comes to mind is um, the robotic hub. And before we get into that, can you just tell me, Paul, a little bit about how did you get involved in that particular area and what made you passionate about pursuing it? Well, I think it's a, a mixture of childhood dreams. Uh, I always loved the movies RoboCop and Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Um, but it's kind of, um, you know, where destiny took me in terms of my, my professional career and, and technology. I've kind of uh, done a lot of different things over the past uh, uh, 20 years of my career. Um, but a lot of that has obviously centered around tech. Um, I've been passionate about um, using my business endeavors to, to hopefully advance society forward and improve people's lives is kind of my model that, that I do business by. And I've always been very, very, very uh, admired uh, uh, in admiration of some of the most successful technologists, uh, for example, Mark Cuban, Jeff Bezos, and so forth. And I have always had an interest in anything that relates to you know, AR, VR technologies, um, and where that can potentially take us as a human race. And I actually found out about the robotics hub um, by way of just simply networking, which I'm a, I'm a power networker, I'm an avid networker. And I got introduced to them uh, through some previous colleagues of mine. And we decided, you know what, it, 
maybe it makes sense to to do some work together. Um, and so they've been very hospitable with in, inviting me into, into the opportunity of, of being a venture partner um, at the Robotics Hub. So um, yeah, and we, we work together um, in consulting and investment opportunities. Now you mentioned some interesting names. Uh, you didn't mention Elon, but I'm sure he's in there too. Uh, when we think about Jeff, you know, and uh, we'll get back to what you're doing in a second, but you brought up a point. So Jeff's uh, left Amazon. And he went off to pursue this uh, space career. What do you think about that? Do you think there's really uh, some viability in what he's doing? Or is this just something he's doing? Because let's face it, Mr. Elon Musk uh, was kind of beating him to the punch. What do you think? I, I think that uh, spatial exploration is, I, I think that's a smart move on, on, on Jeff's part. Uh, spatial exploration is kind of uh, the, the new frontier, so to speak. And uh, I, I believe that, you know, every entrepreneur needs to be concerned about uh, spatial exploration. He's certainly, um, he's certainly blazing the path and, and leading the way there. Um, but those two are just kind of kings of the jungle, uh, so to speak. Um, you know, two lions sort of kind of roaming the technology jungle. And I, I'm excited to see what Jeff um, has in store for us in, in terms of spatial exploration and, um, you know, taking robotics and, um, you know, some of kind of the, the Amazon um, network of companies, so to speak, and, and applying that to, to that realm of uh, human evolution. Now, they're kind of rivals a little bit. I mean, sometimes yeah. when you're both in the same field, that's going to happen. I have an inside joke, but it's really the truth. If everyone likes you 24-7, I don't mean people hate me, but if everyone likes me at every single moment, I'm not bringing my A-game. And as being a serial entrepreneur, sometimes people aren't going to like you, are they? Just not going to align with your beliefs and, and your ideals and what you want to do. Everybody wants it their way. Uh, because it's easier that way. And you bring up another interesting point. So I'm not sure if you know, but every week I write some very interesting uh, blog articles on jmore.com. And we wrote one just a few weeks ago about, uh, you know, the differences between augmented reality and virtual reality. And that's really kind of shaping our world. But as we get into this robotics hub, which is our main topic here tonight, everyone's very concerned, Paul, are they going to lose their jobs? Because we remember about, oh, I don't know, what was it, about 10 or 15 years ago when that big two-letter company with an M, starting with, you know who I mean, uh, thought that they were going to just replace everybody in the kitchen with robots. And they were going to flip hamburgers and do everything. But I guess they realized the cost and maybe the feasibility, and they didn't do it. So what happened there, Paul? And, and what do you see on these things? Well, we're we're all very fortunate to have have individuals like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, um, like I said, blazing the path for us. But I I love to talk about this because I I do not think that robots are going to take our jobs. I think that what they're actually doing, what robots are going to do, is they're going to reshape our economy. They're going to reshape the very nature of the employment market, and they're actually creating more jobs. Case in point, if you look at Amazon, uh, I believe they're the fifth largest employer in the world. 
and the second largest employer, I believe, behind Walmart in, in the U.S., excluding the military, of course. And so you look at Amazon and, and all the jobs that they've created, but Amazon has more robots. I think they have over like 200,000 robots working working in their factories, and yet they've managed to create more jobs than most 99% of other companies. So I think that's a good example that robots are, are just simply reshaping our workforce. And we need to, quite honestly, we need to learn to live with them almost like we have learned to live with cars on the road, right? How animals have evolved to learn to live with cars on the road and, and humans, we all live in this earth, earth together, right? And so, um, you know, I think that that is a naturally evolving process and uh, robots are here to stay. So we definitely need to kind of adapt and, and figure out how to you know, make them a part of our economy and, and a part of business, uh, creating new business opportunities. I agree with you, Paul. Robots are changing the way we do business, and they're also making it safer. Uh, being a first responder and uh, having to deal with things firsthand, safety is a concern, uh, whether it be contamination, uh, whether it be an issue with um, – Mm -hmm. rods being used to sterilize um, medical uh, equipment uh, or any other type of supplies that go out to hospitals or long-term care facilities. You know, I know people that had worked in these facilities and they had to sign a waiver because they're working with these rods so close and that's killing their life. So the fact that a robot can be there and now we don't have to sacrifice a human life or just using one as a bomb detector. Yep. I remember just, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe about 10 years ago, uh, back in my condo where uh, they had kept everyone out of the building and they sent these one or two robots in. And what they found was there was a case, it's a, a guitar or violin case, and that there was nothing in the case. It was perceived that something um, dangerous was in the case. And after four hours of these mini robots going around the complex and the building, they were able to clear uh, the facility and everyone stayed outside safe and there was no threat to anyone's life. So I think that's a, an amazing thing. But let's talk about the different types of robots. So we see robots that obviously you see from Arnold Schwarzenegger and these other movies and, you know, you see a lot of the sci-fi uh, but things like, you know, moving screens, we're not too far away from stuff like that right now. It's not tomorrow, but we're already starting to see prototypes of that. What are the different types of robots that, that we can experience? We hear about the one-armed bandits. We hear about uh, the one now that actually can pour you and your date a glass of wine. Um, mm -hmm. Somebody said if it's not correct, it'll probably throw the bottle at you. Uh, but so what are the different types of robots? And then we can maybe talk about the applications. Great question. So th there, there are uh, several different types of robots. Uh, I, I think, you know, um, to the unfamiliar eye, uh, to the unfamiliar mind, you know, we kind of go with what we see off of off of uh, Hollywood and, and so forth. Um, you know, like movies like Ex Machina or um, you know Terminator Two. But actually, today's robot is actually far less um, advanced. Um, you know, we have uh, manufacturing type robots that are nothing more than um, a, a, an arm or uh, with actuators and, and um, you know, different uh, 
different uh, joint mechanisms that can actually provide like 360 degree movement or limited movement to accomplish a specific task, perhaps within like a manufacturing facility. So you have those manufacturing type robots. Uh, some good examples are uh, uh, KUKA is one, K-U-K-A. Um, and then you also have uh, kind of, we're starting to get more into that space where, you know, now we have um, robots that, you know, almost kind of take on like a, a, a more of a conventional life uh, like form, so to speak. Um, and so now we're getting into, uh, you know, they, they have robots that can, you know, befriend you or, or provide companionship, right? Um, and they look very human. <laughs> and um, so, you know, we're, we're starting to go down that path. Um, we also are getting in, particularly with the pandemic, you know, uh, disinfectant robots are very important now. So robots that, like you said, can, you know, they can serve you a drink or they can clean a facility. Um, and so what's what's going to be really important there is, is how we implement security into these things. So cybersecurity um, is going to be very important to how we bring and integrate these these machines in, into our, our daily lives. <clears throat> Paul, you didn't know it, but that's actually a string to my heart. Uh, I'm not sure if you watched some of the other episodes, but security with me is so paramount. Uh, being lucky to be one of the companies that maintains two of the largest international banks uh, on Wall Street, even before that, security to me is... You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner next to air yes so many things are being developed like you know whether it's uh an alexa these other devices i won't have those devices in my home or office they're always listening now yes you have your phone uh apple i have to believe is a little bit more selective in who they have access to that api so i'm not saying that they're um totally dismissed from security but i have a little more trust in apple I'm not saying I'm going to marry them tomorrow, but I have a little bit more of an understanding. Amazon, I don't have that trust for. Uh, they've made mistakes in the past. Yes, they've done a lot of great things. I'm not going to dispute that. But the fact of the matter is they have uh, got caught with their hand in the cookie jar a couple times. Mm -hmm. And I can't trust somebody with their hand in the cookie jar uh, even once. So that's a problem of mine. And when we get into Internet of Things... Every device you have that's on a network, a wireless network, has to communicate. And with edge computing and everything happening, I use this analogy, Paul, that if you were to go to a park and you went with some of your friends or you're on a date and you have this great big bucket of water or beer, whatever it is, doesn't matter. And you all were to drink from that bucket. Well, and one of you had a cold. Well, the other one could catch the cold, Right. So sure. unless every area of that bucket had compartments and was filterized, 
that would be the only way you could prevent yourself from not getting a cold because it would be separate. Yep. Now, when you talk about distributed computing, all of the data is going into a central area and it's not being isolated. That's a problem. It sure is. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if you like my analogy, but that's kind of what's happening. I mean, we're not drinking, but it's a very similar analogy because people would think that it's going to be safe because it's in the cloud. I got to tell you, just because it's in the cloud doesn't mean it's safe. So every device we have, whether it's a drone, uh, whether it's one of those little quick orders on Amazon, those little fast buttons, uh, or whether it's your car, uh, whether it's your Bluetooth headset, uh, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, now you've got irons and devices and all kinds of appliances that are becoming smart. And although I like this, I am not a big believer that everything should be interconnected to one system. Even though I love technology, I feel there is a risk when everything is connected. Uh, I don't want my stove connected. I don't want my, uh, you know, uh, air conditioning and heat. That's fine. But you know, I don't want my blinds all connected to something. I like that they are uh, electronic or that they can be used, but I don't like the fact that they're tied into an app. I want them on a remote control, just a plain 2.4 gigahertz remote control that I can pick up and use whatever blind I want. That's what I want. And I feel that everybody's trying to make things simple, Paul, by putting it into an app. The problem is all these app developers are not realizing what the potential is if this gets into the wrong hands. We have just learned um, from about a month or so ago, I had a show on where I talked about um, Clubhouse. And Clubhouse actually is getting in trouble right now because the uh, company has uh, another, uh, let's say, a partner that has offices not only in the U.S., but they have them in China. And because of that, now this causes some concern for security treaties and laws. Mm -hmm. And we have to realize, you know, our government's not going to react to this anytime soon. Not that they don't want to. I just don't think they have the manpower and the resources, just like laws for uh, cyber things are not going to be tomorrow. I'm not saying they're never going to come around, but laws generally get built when there's a challenge, right? When there's a lawsuit, when there's a problem. Now it becomes a case. Now it becomes a new law that they can cite. And uh, I feel that we got to be very careful when it comes to security. A lot of people are out there, Paul, because they want to make that fast buck. Correct. And uh, they really got to take the time. Uh, I'm very concerned when it comes to robots and stuff like this. I know it's just processing data because they're basically just uh, CNC machines is really what they are. Uh, computer number uh, generating machines. And and by having uh, you know a CNC machine, um, it... You know, it's supposed to have a function, but now that you can have these CNC milling machines, um, it 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 changes things. And then when we could put that onto, you know, an internet or have it link in with stuff like that, uh, it it can be a challenge because uh, you know, computer numer numerical control systems basically are really what robots are. They do things over and over again a million times. I still remember being on a project uh, in college. And I'm not going to mention the name of the company, but we actually helped them with their blades. And every million blades, we kicked out and made a servo adjustment on a machine. 
So something like that was done a long time ago, but we're getting a lot more specific. So security obviously is a big concern. What do you think is needed to get these machines in the workplace once we get past security? <clears throat> so I think that there has to be a whole set of a new set of standards uh, created. You know, I believe that that the future, um, you know, and you know, how we is as we continue to evolve as humans, we're becoming more and more dependent on technology. Right? That's just a a true hard fact. And as we become more and more dependent on technology, we need to com completely uh, look at you know, building new demographics in society, uh, revamping business models, uh, revamping government policies. Um, you know, we, we need to look at completely remodeling our globe and, and just, you know, how we look at things is, is a global uh, human population. And so when we talk about bringing um, robots into the workplace, the workplace has changed. You know, 90% of the workplace now is remote. So when we look at robots in the workplace, uh, there's a disconnection for sure um, from the average you know, remote worker and the robot that might be performing automated tasks in the workplace. And, and we're not even talking about necessarily <clears throat> conventional um, office environments, but we're more so talking about like manufacturing facilities, things that are connected to the power grid. And I like some of the things that you said <clears throat> about not wanting everything uh, in your house connected, you know, to, to some sort of IoT uh, infrastructure. Unfortunately, that is the way that I think that we're headed. Um, you know, everything in the future is technology. You know, you can look at this pen here. This pen could be a piece of technology. This pen could have hardware in it that is connected to an infrastructure, and the pen tells you, okay, you're twenty five percent left on ink because how many times have we been somewhere and we, we needed a pen and we're running out of ink, right? So it's, we're solving a problem, but every time you solve a problem, you create 10 new problems. So there's actually more problems in this world than there are solutions. And the thing is, is that with everything headed towards technology, security is one of the biggest, most uh, important priorities that we need to address moving forward, because, and, and we're not doing it. And that is why you see companies like Amazon, uh, Tesla, Elon Musk, they're getting in trouble with the government, like you mentioned, they're, because they're, they're not regulated. And so we slap them on the wrist, we find them, and we make an example out of them. But you're going to start to see more technology executives uh, involved with governmental policy and decision making. And so that hopefully that, that answers your question, John, um, as far as you know, how we're going to look at bringing robots into the workplace. It's going to, before that even happens, um, there's going to be a, a massive policy shift. I agree with that. And you said a lot of uh, interesting things. The first thing I want to go back to is when you talked about the pen and how anything, even my, uh, let's say, uh, paperclip uh, jar mm -hmm. could have a Bluetooth connection to my phone to tell me that I'm running out of paperclips or paper or staples or, or what have you, or to tell me that something jammed or batteries are going low. We already have that in our keyboard, but the difference yeah. is they're not connected to something that's reporting back to the internet. They're just a right. one-way communication. I think that these devices are great in the one-way capacity. And I think that if two-way communication 
is enabled, a user should have the choice of whether to enable that or not. Because maybe I want to know when my pen is running out of ink. But I don't necessarily want that reported anywhere other than a one-way app. And I think that's something, just like the web you know, has standards, the W3C, I think a consortium, Paul, needs to be formed for not only the Internet of Things, but uh, I'm going to say uh, our privacy of all data that extends past a, um, a wired connection. Because we have it for wired very well. Um, you know, we have uh, ports that won't be enabled unless certain things are, are put in place. But on the wireless, we're very loose. Uh, and just to give you an example, 802.11ax, which is the latest Wi-Fi technology. Now, a lot of people don't know what that is. Uh, it is one of the most expensive Wi-Fi's. Why? Because it's brand new. Well, there was a challenge when that came out. There was something called rekeying. When um, the original manufacturers, Broadcom, which is the ones that they're one of the big ones, they're setting the standard, but they're presuming that people will be leaving a worksite or a location um, and coming back within an hour, or that the devices are not going to leave the worksite. So what does this mean, Paul? It means that if I have my phone, and let's say I leave the worksite for an hour for lunch, and I come back, my phone isn't going to find the network anymore if it's a truly hidden, secure network. So there are things now that are being done that are extending that to 10 days. Mm -hmm. But I said, why is it 10 days? And they're measuring in seconds. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Why are we measuring in seconds? I mean, this makes no sense. So what I think has to happen is we've got to give users the choice. Who says 10 days? Suppose you're doing work at a hospital and a technician has to keep coming back. And now um, you can't connect to the network because Apple now decides that they don't want to resend an authentication. Now, it's technically not your Wi-Fi network's problem, but it is because Apple's saying it is. So everybody's pushing the ball back and forth with each other. So I think we need choices and I think people need to understand what technology is going to cause us. And when you talk about, you know, the pen or any other device, this consortium needs to be set up. I mean, most people don't realize that the big G letter, I'm not going to mention the name, but we know who I'm talking about, said that they came up with a chip because they came up with the idea of no trust. They didn't come up with no trust. They said they did. And with a first, let's say, search partner to say that everything had to be no trust, including their own devices. Well, that did come from them. It came from the W3C. But they took credit for it and said that it was their idea, but it wasn't. And I think if it would have been passed off as a standard, you know, unless you're part of the W3C consortium, nobody really knows what's going on, Paul. Exactly. And that's we need a consortium for the IoT and privacy. It's going to be an issue. And I think another problem I see is that now that we have drones, I always joke about this, you're going to have a rider on your insurance policy. Because if you get more than two deliveries, let's say a year, well, you might have an additional $500 rider to cover yourself and other people that the drone may possibly crash into, like their window or their dining room. Now, I know we laugh about this, but this is very feasible.
nothing's really being done about this. And if a work robot makes a mistake, okay, chances are it's probably not going to be a big deal. But then again, it is because if the sensors don't catch it, you could be talking thousands of items that could be misproduced. Correct. So I think what has to be in place is multiple checkpoints. And they're not going to be human eyes. They're going to be sensors. And then those sensors need to be checked or calibrated. It almost reminds me like a ride at Great Adventure. And I remember the first ride I took many years ago. I took, because I was not a, a roller coaster person, and we went there because it was part of my physics class. And I spent, I'm going to say, a, a latter part of the morning, maybe two hours in the morning, meeting the engineer who managed the ride. And after I had a conversation with him for a while, I then got enough courage and confidence to go check the ride because he told me how everything worked and that he goes through and checks every sensor every morning before the ride starts. That made me very comfortable because even though each car had six sensors, if one sensor failed, the ride would still operate. If two sensors failed, it would still operate. If three sensors failed, the ride would operate in a diminished capacity. And if four sensors failed, the ride would be operable, but it was recommended that it was not used. So, you know, you have manual overrides and things like that, but you mentioned something else that's very important, Paul. We talk about the notion of uh, human relations. And there are lots of omnipresent devices. We saw it with Sheldon and uh, some other shows on TV where, you know, somebody who may be sick can't go somewhere or maybe because of the pandemic, they want a virtual uh, robot of themselves moving around the world to interact. So maybe it can't get COVID or something like that. But, you know, when you think about things like that, um, a robot has a security issue too, because now that information being sent, let's take a look at that doll a few, about a year or two ago. That doll got hacked because the manufacturer didn't even put a lousy pin code on there. <laughs> I mean, something so simple and so trivial a child would think of that. Sure. <laughs> and now their personal information that's being shared is being hacked. So that's one thing. But the other area I'm concerned about is that now you have this device and now people want this to be, like you said, a companion robot. Okay. So the robot can perform safety tasks, notify authorities, call for help and alert the police and things like that and uh, be a video uh, device and all kinds of great things. Uh, be a resource that's connected to the internet uh, that you can ask questions almost like a, uh, a big Alexa on wheels. And obviously the whole brain of it is actually in the cloud. You know, we see this now on Amazon, all these devices, those devices can't do half the things they do or even a fraction of them without the internet. The intelligence isn't in that little thing. It's all in the cloud. So the question comes, what happens if the cloud goes down? How does that device function? Is there enough of intelligence on board to make it usable in that type of environment? Is there enough that it downloads? I don't know. And how often does it have to download and communicate the information? And I guess my last point would be, you know, these robots, they can be programmed to look at your face. They can be programmed to hear the tonality in your voice. And yes, they can be programmed to simulate emotion. They can program to simulate love and they can have an arm that warms up 
we see right now a, 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 an adult toy manufacturer making a $10,000 robot. He just made uh, dolls many years ago, and now he's uh, making a robot that's starting at $10,000. That's an AI robot companion. Um, that's much more than a companion in the adult world. And these things, um, I don't know if people are realizing you know, what they're getting involved with. Not just the safety point mm -hmm. about it, uh, but also the fact that they're creating a facade. And now... When a robot gives you an emotion, it's not an emotion. And I just can't believe that's healthy for people because now the robot is starting to learn what you do and mimic things, but it's not making the decisions itself, even though it is AI. And the decisions are probably coming from a person. I just don't see it as real. What do you think? I know I've dumped a lot on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... I'll, I'll try to respond to, to everything um, in short form because um, you, you definitely did cover a lot. Um, the first thing is that we already have robotics in our lives, may, maybe not in the uh, in the what we would call you know Webster's def, definition, uh, Webster's dictionary definition of what a robot should be uh, in terms of like form, but in terms of the mechanics, we already have robots in our life. Um, you know, Alexa is a uh, type of robot, right? Um, anything that uses AI or machine learning is a robot, what I would call a robot-inspired technology or um, a kind of like quasi-robot um, uh, functionality to it. Um, so we already have these things that are happening to us where we don't we don't make decisions, um, you know, I, I don't even make decisions necessarily on my own conscious will. Um, you know, I have, uh, you know, apps on my phone that do uh, predictions about, you know, uh, they, they market um, products to me or they market services or they market options to me that are more of a, a predictive analysis of my previous decision making. And so, there is a certain amount of uh, waiver uh, that we inevitably sign when we download an app or um, there, there's a certain disclaimer um, and I call it more of like an intangible disclaimer. It's that it's, it's like the, the air, we know it's there, right? But um, because it's always there, you know, we're not necessarily conscious of it. And these companies have protected themselves and ultimately protected uh, consumers. It, you know, if, we actually read the fine print, right? If we read the disclaimers. So it really is um, an education piece, which comes, which brings in the, the fact of, of consulting, right? Um, so the robotics hub where, where I'm a venture partner, we're not just an investment fund, but we, we also help our portfolio companies grow, right? And that's, that's a, that is the consulting piece. We also help them um, you know, build their brands and, and, and get, uh, get their technologies, their services, their products into the hands of, of the right people, the right companies that can really use this for sustainable good and sustainable impact technology uh, and innovation for good and for the impact and, and the general welfare of our society. And I think what we've seen 
Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. In the last year or so since this pandemic started, is much more of a need um, for you know these these robotic type technologies or these AI uh, type technologies. And one key thing that we do need to remember when we're talking about robots is that you know stay away from the hype, you know, and and kind of you know use our own. We're all smart people. A lot of us went to college, right? We're, we're we have the power to deduce information in ways that are intelligent and well thought out, right? And so take a minute from the TV, take a minute from uh, what you're listening to on YouTube and this and that, and just take some time to meditate about what is really going on. And I think when we look at robotics, we need to look at it as a way of like, robotics are being integrated into our society to make our society more secure, more safe, hopefully reduce crime, hopefully reduce traffic because you don't necessarily have to travel anywhere um, anymore. You can have a drone deliver it to your house, right? Um, you can have all sorts of, uh, all sorts of uh, value add from, from you know, robotics and robotic type uh, products and services. There are all sorts of value points that can be implemented into our society to make our society more safe and more secure, right? And so we all know that humans are the most fickle creatures of all. And we're also some of the biggest liabilities. As we grow old, you know, we lose value over time. We get old, we, we uh, you know, we develop, we, we contract, you know, diseases or develop diseases and we're less efficient as we get older, which makes us more and more of a liability. The benefit with robotics that we we have to think about the paradigm, right? And so the thing with robotics is that robotics can be maintained and renewed over time, but they can also be limited in terms of their functionality, which therefore, you know, allows some safety factors uh, to be created and some some element of safety to be uh, depend dependable, right? To be relied upon in our society. Um, we can depend on that. And I think that's what robotics and AI technologies are ultimately doing is they're creating a, um, a more factors, um, more, uh, they're, they're creating a, a larger um, source of dependability for, for us um, is, a, is a technology dependent global population. But we definitely, when we're building these things and when we're implementing them, we do need to make security a, uh, a main priority. Hopefully that answers your question. It does. And I know this is obviously, you know, very um, broad in the sense of, you know, robotics. It's kind of like talking about air uh, because there's so many facets of air or talking about connectivity on a network. Okay, there's so much time 
of connectivity when you refer to a network. And same thing with robotics. There's so many different types of automation. I feel there are some people in the world that are going to embrace robotics and see it as a benefit. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be other people that are going to be petrified of it and see it as something they just want to stay away from. I know that robotics is definitely uh, a plan of the future. And it has a lot of positives. But there are areas that, like you said, and I mentioned before, the security, we have to definitely look at very, very seriously. I think the idea of having a robot in your plant and having it communicate to an intranet is fine. The minute we start having that intranet be part of an internet for the robotic functions. I'm not talking for them to search the internet. I'm just talking about the data on there. And I think most of the robots that are in factories today are not connecting to a cloud. They're basically pulling things down. But I see that changing because robots are going to become... I don't want to say more specific, but they're going to be able to handle more specific jobs and then be able to download, I see, a different personality is the best way or a trait set. Uh, you know, you go to a game and you think about downloading your latest character or uh, maybe downloading some things that lets the character do more. Same thing in robotics. Uh, you're going to pay so many thousand dollars or 10000 or a million dollars to have this uh, – new library that now gives the robot the ability to handle um, delicate welding as opposed to roughly. And I'm just giving you an example, but this is what I see. And then those skill sets are going to be constantly refined based on a library, which will have a yearly subscription. And maybe it's weekly, maybe it's monthly, and it will keep updating that profile mm -hmm. that you purchase. But the thing is, they have to grab the data from somewhere. So if you're a site, and let's say I pay a million dollars for this license, but now I want to be part of the environment that actually teaches the system, well, maybe I should get a huge discount, like 50% or something more, because now my data is going back. Now, even though they're going to say that you know they're only taking numerical data, I don't know if I trust that. I mean, that's really all they need. They just need to learn how different a piston needs to be or what type of response should happen based on the fact that when I did it last time, well, I cut it wrong and then it fell apart because I was a fraction to the edge too much. And so I see it just being very similar to that project I worked on, which was adjusting servo motor wheels. And I see the same thing happening but I see it happening with software. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, we have to, so the way we have to look at the evolution of technology is almost, you know, going back to the beginning of humankind, right? Mankind, go, go back to the stone age, for example. You know, a rock was, a rock was uh, basically, you know, cutting edge technology. That's how we kept warm. We rub two rocks together, we start a fire, you know? But today, a rock is just a rock. We kick it out of the way. And the same thing with an iPod. Nobody uses iPods anymore. That is as good as a rock. And so the thing is, is that over time, 
you have vulnerabilities that increase if you don't adapt to, to new technologies, right? And when, when you talk about, you know, integrating these things into society, you got to remember is that with one click, you know, you can have a hacker halfway around the world shut down an entire country, you know, with one click. So, and that will put us back in the rock age. That'll put us back in the stone age. So rock is not just a rock. We have to look at it as something much more, right? And, and so we, when we're talking about products and integrating, you know, robots and in, in, into society and whatnot, we, we really need to think, think about, you know, how, how we're going to do that from an innovative standpoint, right? And if we don't integrate robots into our society, we're, we're going to fall back into the stone age. And that's, that's one of the things that I see, because here's the thing. If you go to the worldcounts.com website, there's, there's a bunch of calculations on there and it has numbers on there. It says 20 years until we run out of water. It has the population counter for, for the, the global population and it's going up by the, by the quarter of the second. And so the, as we continue to grow, and this is why exploration of other planets, right? So we can, so we can you know, explore other resources that can save us, that, that can help us live longer and so forth. But as we continue to grow, there are going to be more and more problems. And you can't build enough machines. You can't build enough machines for the amount of problems that need to be solved that are out there. And that's, that's why I see that robots are so important. Um, and it's so important to build entrepreneurs um, in, in both first world countries, but third world countries as well. Think about Africa, one of the most underserved, underdeveloped markets in the world. Think about all the resources that we're missing, all the ingenuity, all the great minds, and robots can, certainly cannot do it all, but we certainly do have to integrate them in, into our, our daily lives and society, or else we will fall behind as a human species. I do agree with that. I think it's a, a catch-22 in the fact that, you know, we're using technology now, we're using phones that are a fraction of the size um mm -hmm. they're only bigger now because we want bigger screens but they're much thinner than they were in the past wi-fi keeps going up why because people's demand for internet uh keeps uh increasing and as we're getting into the new wi-fi uh six that's gonna be coming out there are no differences in the type of internet in the sense that nothing more happens only that it's faster and more reliable. Mm -hmm. That's it. There's nothing else. So when they create a reason to have more bandwidth, that's when people want it. Just like with Microsoft, you need to have the latest version of something uh, on your operating system to be able to download or be compatible or hardware, etc. It's this catch-22. And I see the same thing with uh, robots. I had a guest on not too long ago who actually uh, uses CNC machines across the world. Mm -hmm. And he builds uh, all kinds of chairs and any kind of, um, uh, let's say, furniture that you need. You go to his app and you can build it. And the neat thing is that the piece of furniture will be built within 30 minutes of your home and delivered within 7 to 14 days and comes with a money-back return policy which I thought was pretty neat because when you're making custom furniture, he's willing to take it back 
if you don't like it or if there's a problem with it for any reason. That's pretty amazing because a lot of these machines he was mentioning, they just sit in factories for hours a day and he gets a reduced rate to run them. But it's still a good thing because the people that own these machines are still leasing them. So they're happy uh, to get any money toward these machines. Definitely our world is changing. People have to embrace this change uh, you know, or get out of the way because this is going to happen. But things like the Amazon store uh, not too long ago, that was a flop. I mean, it was too early. It had a great concept. I think it was five years too early. They rushed with the sensors and the technology, and it was just terrible. <laughs> I mean, you walk into a store and you touch something and you're billed for something. I mean, it, it just it just didn't it didn't work right. And I think there's still nothing really bad with the fact that you pick up something and you scan it. I mean, I think you know, shop right, stop and shop. I mean, they have the right idea. It's not hard to scan something. It's really simple. I mean, the fact that you pick something off a shelf and it charges you, that is so ridiculous. <laughs> it's its funny you mentioned that because I just watched a documentary on Shenzhen in China the other day, and they've got like 300 of these stores throughout Shenzhen where there, there's no there's no people in the store. It's just you come in, you pick up what you what you want, and then you know you, you go and you scan it. You scan and, it. You don't you don't just take it off the shelf, you scan it. Yes, yes, correct. And like and the I, airports do. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I wonder, you know, I look at our society and we talk about integrating robots and, and I think that there are there are models that already exist. Like how do we build how do we build the roadways? How do we how do how how does a how does a deer know not to walk out in the middle of the road and get hit by a car because cars have been living in our society for almost a hundred years now. So it's the evolution process, but we made it work with the vehicle, with the the system of vehicles, with the industry of vehicles. And we've built tons of roadways, but I look at economies like China and, and I'm like, wow, you know, it took us like half a century or almost a whole century to, to, to build you know, that infrastructure. And I, I look at China, Shenzhen, and 30 years ago, they were a shanty town. Shenzhen was. There's only mm -hmm. 300,000 people that lived there. Now there's 11 million. They've got skyscrapers, than, more skyscrapers than the eye can see. And they've got a bullet train that goes 250 miles an hour. You know, I, I, wow. think, that, I, I think that in terms of kind of global arbitrage, global opportunity, we, we really need to, you know, as, as Americans, as Westerners, um, as technologists in the Western world, we can, we can actually look to China to see what are, what are they doing right? How did they do so much innovation so fast and seem, and seem to make it work? And the funny thing is, is that despite the trade war with the U.S. and China, there are, there are more, I, I was surprised at the amount of, of tech companies, the amount of American companies that are in China. I was just truly amazed. I so, uh, had a guest on uh, about a few weeks ago, and he was from China, and he actually lived in China when he grew up, but he wasn't born in China. He was born in Germany. Mm -hmm. At the end of his career, he was kind of retiring. He went back to Germany. And then he came back to China and he did something different because he was a salesperson. And in China, a salesperson is a very low man on a totem pole, unfortunately. 
And he came back and now he became a manager to manage those salespeople. And he said, that's like one of the highest things you can do. And China will actually pay a person 10 times more than what they're worth when they come from outside of China. Doesn't matter if they're Germany, doesn't matter. But if they're from within China, they get a different pay. Mm -hmm. So they're paying people from the US to come over there, but they have to re-uplift their lives. Make a big sacrifice. Well, it's, I mean, that. yep, yep. And, and, and you know, I, I think we look at China as, you know, kind of like the the conventional communists, but, um, or at least that's what they've called themselves, but they're actually one of the best at capitalism. And so I, I think that we can, you know, as technologists, and we talk a lot about robots here, and uh, I think that we can even look at, you know, models like an example, like the roadway system, but we can also look at, you know, how can we do it better? Um, you know, in the future, um, you know, look at, look at our, you know, our, um, our brother, you know, or so to speak, our, our uh, um, opponent there to, to the East mm -hmm. China and, and look at the way that, you know, they've done things and, you know, how can we may, maybe make that work in, in American society? Because the, the true thing is, is like, you know, the, the, the te techno technological uh, race to advance, um, it's not slowing down. And so, you know, I think that, you know, innovation is going to be key when it comes to robotics mm -hmm. um, and integrate, you know, integrating that, um, merging that into our society, but also the, the way that we think of things. And like you said, you know, um, I think you were talking a little bit about uh, Moore's law there. Um, basically, how can you build smaller but faster, right? Cell phones are a lot smaller than they uh, used to be. Um, but they're 10 times more powerful. I mean, you, even the largest computer in the world 30 right. years ago didn't have this much power. And so, you know, when we look at, at, at that, you know, technology is eventually going to be invisible. We're going to have things in our heads, plant uh, implants in our head. And how do you, how do you control that? And, um, you know, but how do you make it work? Because the, the race to be better, to be faster, to be smaller, it's not slowing down. And, um, you know, so I, I think that there is an invisible component, intangible component to all of this as well. I think things like that are good for people that need it. Uh, you know, they have all kinds of different uh, uh, devices for your body if you lose a mm -hmm. limb and things like that, and that's good. But I think our body is very smart and the electrical power we have and our potential is amazing. I mean, most people only tap about 1% of it. Yep. So our bodies are much smarter than any robotic system. In fact, it's the robotic systems that want to learn from our bodies. So I think the robotic and the implants and things like that are great for people that need that or have a, a deficiency, but I don't want to short our body or our creator. I think what we have is amazing. And I think that we can surpass any robot from a technological perspective. Uh, I'm not saying we're as fast as a robot. Uh, nor what I want to be, but I think robots are good for doing a task over and over and over again, and they're great with crunching numbers and uh, giving us answers very, very quickly when somebody wouldn't want to spend those hours, even if you're an engineer like myself or if you're a uh, financial person, you're still not going to want to crunch that many numbers. Exactly. So I believe that, uh, you know, there always is that, uh, let's say, uh, that avenue that I'm happy that technology exists 
for people that may have, like I said, a limb issue or uh, they had a problem or, or something of that nature. But I think we have to be careful as a society. And I'll tell you this real quick. When I uh, was graduating uh, college, I was offered a position for uh, a very large company. I'm not going to mention the name. And um, they asked me if I knew all these things. And I said, yes. And I said, I'm more than happy to work for you. I said, the only thing I have is one question for you. I said, I'm happy to do everything you want me to do. As long as I'm not part of a team that manufactures a robot. <laughs> no, not just any robot. A robot that is going to be killing people. Yes. And... He sat down in the chair, this guy in this suit, and whew, he said, well, that's a relief. He said, well, I'm glad you told us that. I said, okay, so where's the papers? He says, I don't think you're going to be happy with us. I said, well, can I ask you why? Yeah, we're actually part of a defense contract, and one of the major projects you'd be working on um, – our robots, uh, the intelligence, and then uh, being able to undermine other countries so that we can attack them with technology. And I was like, yeah, we're not a match. He's like, I'm sorry. And I turned that down because I just don't want to be part of something that is going to hurt our human race. I love technology more than anyone. Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. But I'm very passionate about knowing that when we use technology, just like we're a person and we're in a relationship, we can hurt that relationship or we can make it flourish. And I tell people this from the very first show I had, you can use technology for good and you can use technology for bad. Technology itself is not evil and it's not good. It's how you choose to use it and apply it. And I think a lot of people don't get that. They see the dollar signs yeah. and they don't really look at the consequences uh, to what's happening. Our world's definitely going to shape and it's going to change and morph into lots of different things. But as we're kind of rounding out here, our time together, this has been really uh, interesting, Paul, learning about, you know, what you're doing with, with uh, robots. And this takes me back to another, um, thought I had. And you remember um, iRobot and, and Roomba. And just, you know, they have a device that has sensors and it's a very basic robot. But I do want to quote uh, Miriam Webster. And she says, a robot is a machine 
that resembles a living creature in being capable of moving independently as by walking or rolling on wheels and performing complex actions such as grasping and moving objects. When the next space launch heads for Mars on board will be dozens of tiny mobile robots that will fan out across the Martin landscape, exploring every nook and cranny. So when they say complex things, the thing that I loved about this new robot that came out is it's able to sense the tactile difference of how much to grasp a piece of crystal or a chocolate bar uh, or a metal pole and just knowing that. And this takes me back to the thought of uh, virtual reality. In the fact that we're now going to have suits, we already have gloves that are about $5,000. We're going to have suits pretty soon. You're going to be able to wear with sensors in your whole body to give you sensations when you're playing the game. I mean, that's wild. Um, because I feel when people play games right now, they play them because there's no consequence. Now, I'm not saying people should have pain. But I feel that if people actually understood how that felt, Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit, it's going to make them think and maybe not be so violent. So it's okay they want to play the game, but now playing it 10 hours a day as opposed to maybe one hour because maybe they have a sore leg or a sore back or a sore stomach because they're getting a little jolt from it. Um, I think it's going to change people and make people understand that it's really real. I love that you... Uh... You brought that up, John. Um, actually, one of our portfolio companies in the robotics hub is uh, an exoskeleton. They build exoskeleton suits for like limited people who have limited mobility or assistant need mm -hmm. assistant movement and so so forth. The company is called Seismic. Uh, www.myseismic.com. Um, but I, I love that you brought that up, and and that you also brought up the fact that like we should never use technology for anything other than positive reasons, not making money, only solving, all, only solving problems and advancing society for and improving people's lives, which is my motto. Um, if you go to my personal CV website, uh, BAM, B-A-M, businesses.com, you will see that model uh, as I describe how I view capitalism. Capitalism and making money is a byproduct of all of that. You solve problems, you help people out, you give them something that they need, not necessarily something that they want. Some people want drugs, right? And but they don't need <laughs> it. <laughs> so you give them what they need. And you know, the thing is, being a Marine Corps veteran, I spent ten years on active duty uh, with with the infantry. I did four tours in Iraq, and and I see the good that technology. Had we had you know more advanced technology during the early 2000s when I was in the Iraq invasion 2003, mm -hmm. have we had more advanced technology than um, just imagine the amount of lives that could have been saved? So and thank, thank you and thank you very much, Paul, for you and your troops' uh, service to us. We're very grateful to that. Appreciate that. Thank you. It's it's been a pleasure having you on the show today and. Uh, getting to learn, you know, uh, your thoughts on some things that are coming up and going to be changing our world and just giving people, I guess, a, a snapshot of, you know, what's not too far around the corner. 
But my only message is that when you venture around that corner, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Well, thank you so much, Paul. Uh, we wish you all the best. And uh, I know you have lots of other endeavors. So we look forward to having you back on. You have lots of many areas and disciplines you cover. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't have time to cover them on this show, but we will invite you back for another uh, episode. I really appreciate you having me. It thank is you. our pleasure. All the best to you and thank you. Take care. You too. Well, Mr. Paul Claxton with... Uh, you know, doing so much for our country and being a U.S. Marine veteran. What did you think about what he had to say about robotics? Well, first of all, as one veteran to another, you know, thank you for his service. And but he's still paying it forward. And uh, he's definitely bringing some 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 different uh, revolution, uh, revolutionary stuff, you know, uh, to, uh, you know, to our favor, you know, sh showing us uh, a way in which we can, you know, uh, develop some sustainable goals with uh, robotics. I, I agree. He's definitely helping not only uh, to implement the robotics, but he's serving on boards and teams to make other people aware, kind of like a coalition. So I think that's good in collaborating. So I think that was really great. Uh, Paul, I definitely want to thank you for your time. We had an outstanding interview with you and uh, it was just great to learn from you and to hear all the wonderful things you're doing. And once again, Marcus and I say uh, thank you so much for your grateful service to our country and to all of us. So our last point for today's show is sound. Well, we deal with sound every day with recording our show and video, but it's not so much just hearing great quality sound. It's more than that. Imagine for a second, Marcus, that you could have sound that actually blends into your environment. Now, what the heck is he talking about? <laughs> well, let's talk about sound that could blend right into the environment you have, such as um, maybe a light, uh, maybe another piece of furniture, okay? And imagine that becoming part of your home or your office's decor. Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. The new Sonos and IKEA Wi-Fi speakers are coming. And what you need to know is Sonos is gonna lead the way. We all know Sonos very well, and we know how they have led the world in symphonistic ways with their new uh, technology and their speakers. They call it the symphonistic speakers. So uh, Sonos has teased the symphonistic update on Instagram and lots of great things. And being more than just a wireless speaker, but really, Marcus, a piece of art that you really don't even know is a speaker and one of the best Bluetooth speakers that's possibly around. So this is uh, pretty amazing because you're going to get a really high quality speaker and you're going to get one that blends in with your furniture and you're going to be able to get it at Ikea. Yeah, talk about saying goodbye to all of the bulky extra equipment and wires, you know, totally uh, in disguise. This is something out of a movie almost. And I'm, I'm highly impressed and, and geeked up about it. And the fact that like this clearly does work. <laughs> so something that actually clearly does work uh, is um, something that we can all be uh, really uh, geared up to, you know, uh, take part in. Now, let's not just think about 
speakers as being a light on your desk or a type of furniture, but let's think about a speaker actually being a beautiful piece of art that's hanging on your wall. Mm. So I think they're really pushing um, the envelope with this. Hell yeah. And um, it's going to be pretty amazing, you know, what they're going to do. And, you know, having things like wall art speakers and um, other things that they're working on, which they haven't even talked about. But just to understand that Ikea is a furniture store, right? Right. But now they're helping to bring art and sound together. And this is amazing because they seem to be the only ones right now that are going to do this. And I have to believe that Ikea is probably not going to want them sleeping with everybody else around. So I'm sure this is going to be an exclusive. But what I would not be surprised, Marcus, is if another manufacturer has a similar idea and uses yeah. a slightly different piece of furniture because they've already got patents, but maybe they'll put them in something else. Who knows? It might be in your office equipment, like your pencil sharpener, or it might be in your light bulb. They're just doing it for furniture and for you know lamps and things that Ikea makes. But I see a whole other world. Maybe my, my stapler could be my uh, 3D sound system. Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Well, I definitely have seen them in sofas, so this is not not that brand new uh, to okay. those who uh, are uh, able to afford the, the 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 sofa sectional set. And those are pretty cool too, but you don't see too many people you know flaunting them off. But uh, this art art thing is definitely definitely you know the next level. Uh, it's so but, it's so yeah. hidden, Marcus. You don't so expect yeah, it to be there. Specific. And they're actually ramping it up to have even better quality speakers than what you probably saw on those sofas. Oh yeah, the sofa was just, yeah, just, just your regular typical speaker, so. <laughs> I remember having one of those chairs, Marcus, you'd lean back and they'd have a, yeah, an extra thousand dollars to have a uh, connection. At that time, it wasn't even Bluetooth. It was a wire that connected to your chair and then they made them Bluetooth so you could hear, and the sound was okay, but I don't think it was worth an extra thousand dollars. Oh yeah, that that sounds very highly priced. So what, what, what's the price ticket on this? You know, I, I know you're the type of guy to always give us the price tickets. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the the new Sonos iKey uh, Wi-Fi speakers. Uh, there's been some speculation on you know what what the price is going to be, uh, but uh, I don't think they've really um, I don't think they've really set an actual price on these uh, yet. But I'm sure that's going to happen, you know, soon. I know things like the the IKEA, IKEA uh, Sonos uh, Symphonistic Wi-Fi starts at about 140 bucks, and bad. the Sonos in-wall speakers, okay, uh, are right around 600 bucks, okay. 
So if we're going to look at that, let's think about a, like a Wi-Fi, you know, like speaker, like we're talking about like a bookshelf. Those are out right now and they're about a hundred bucks. Okay. But yeah. that's not anything, you know, special. Yeah. So I would say if I had to guess, we're going to take the value of the light. Okay. And if a light costs, I don't know, 50 bucks, I'd say we're going to add another 75 to hundred bucks on there for the speaker. Because a plain Wi-Fi bookshelf speaker is a hundred bucks, ninety-nine dollars. Well, that's easy math. So we don't have to really have to worry about just break it, break it to bake too bad. So this is just pretty great. And you're going to be able to get, you know, all kinds of different things, and they're going to be very stylish. This light, Marcus, if you had a chance to take a look at it, okay. the light is on the top, okay, and on the bottom is a beautiful. <laughs> very sexy sculptured base that has the speaker in it. Oh yeah, that looks nice. So that's where they're going. And they did that on purpose so that the sound resonance is gonna be there. Uh, now, there is a con so that you can know, it is not as great as the true Sono speakers. Hmm. But again, if you wanna have things look pretty and you're not looking for you know the be all end all and you want something that just has a little ambient sound, I think this might be a great way to go. However, I don't think I'd be buying one of these to replace uh, the high fidelity speakers that I have. So, you know, so this is something that you might find maybe in a doctor's office, or maybe you might find in a waiting room somewhere, or maybe um, you're in a customer service place and they want to keep the, the music going so they can have them around. You've been at restaurants and they have these little eggs or other things outside and they look really pretty like trees mm -hmm. and their sound quality is not the greatest but they blend in i mean disney did this years ago when it wasn't even popular and they were paying you know 500 to a thousand dollars for one of those speakers mm. and they didn't even look that nice but they blended in with the environment yeah so i think people need to understand that anything when it comes out, Marcus, is always going to be a little bit more expensive. I think once we get past a year on this, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if we started seeing these speakers probably come around 40 to 50 bucks. Because wow. they're going to get the price down once they get the volume. Yeah, And, and that's really what it comes down to. But how many choices they're going to have or, you know, art paintings and other types of things. I mean, they already have panels, uh, Marcus, that you can put in your home and your office. Mm -hmm. And they're great. But when you have to add something like this to another structure, like a lamp or something, they don't really have a lot of room to put in what they need. And when you have a flat panel, there's a lot you can do. But in a lamp, you really can't be fitting the stuff. You don't have the room to put yeah. the engineering that you need to. Or let me step back. You could. But now that product that we're talking about $100, may got up to two to three thousand yeah, dollars yes. because the more we put yeah. into a shorter space the more engineering uh we know from the chips from the i5 the i7 the i9 mm -hmm. 10 the more information we put on that chip the more expensive it is but the size of that chip doesn't change we just go up or we change a level and it's so small in microns that nobody ever notices that the chip actually got slightly bigger yeah well, it's very safe and it's not intimidating and, you know, and that's, that's definitely a way to go here. And, you know, uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's very attractive. So, you know, well, I, I, 
I think this is going to be something really interesting. Yeah. I want to let you know that uh, next week we have a great guest that I know you're all going to enjoy. Uh, I cannot wait to interview her. Uh, she has been uh, featured in many magazines. She was an actress. Uh, she's a world-renowned hypnotherapist and an author of Subconscious Power, which I actually got the opportunity to read. She sent it to me. She is an amazing lady. And uh, just reading her bio and, and just you know reading her book, a really nice lady, very talented lady, very powerful lady, and one that... Um, has made a big impact in the world as a lady in business and helping people to change their lives. Uh, her, her name is Kimberly Friedmutter, and she's actually going to be the guest on next week's show. So you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, very, very nice lady, very smart lady. And again, a great book. Incidentally, we will put the links whenever we have authors on a show, we will put the links on our rebroadcast on jmore.com. So you always be able to find those specific links to where you can uh, buy the books or the audio uh, tracks. What I want to share with you right now is that if you have an idea for a jmore tech talk show, maybe you want us to investigate something uh, we haven't talked about it. Drop us a line at jmor.com, click on the reach out button, and you can put that right in there. If you're not a person that wants to fill out forms, we hear you, then just go to our reach out button, and 24 hours a day, you can click on the chat button, and one of our friendly representatives will be more than happy to chat with you and get your information personally. But if you have a product and you'd like us to unbox it, let us know that too. You would have to donate the product, and if you would like to be a guest on our show, we welcome that. I do have to tell you that we are getting a lot of requests for guests and we do not accept every guest, unfortunately. So we need a short description of what it is you'd like to uh, talk about on the air. Uh, you'll have about 15 to 20 minutes, roughly. And uh, let us know, you know why we should bring you on the air. Why are you going to be a value to our audience? Not just the fact that you're an author or that you're intelligent. Everyone's intelligent. So we want something uh, that is different and we want only want the best. So if you have that and you agree to sign a media release, we would love to hear from you because our audience is growing. And again, we especially want to thank uh, Princeton TV where we're now on every single Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. So that's Princeton Community TV. You can go on their website and watch it right from there. Or if you're in Princeton, New Jersey, you can actually tune to the Princeton TV channel and watch us live. Marcus, it has been another wonderful evening with you. And I don't know where our time goes. Just breezes right on by into the next day. <laughs> well, I will share with you that I hope you have a very happy, healthy, and a safe. And this week, I actually got my first COVID shot. Got my first Pfizer uh, COVID shot as a... As a uh, first responder. And it was an interesting experience. I want to thank the uh, National Guard for being, it was a little intimidating, I have to tell you, when they were all there. It was just a little bit much. Uh, when they did the <laughs> shot, I said, yeah. can you step out? Because like, I'm feeling a little intimidated. Like, are you going to like hold me down against my will? And like, no, 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 we're just here. I'm like, okay, because it just, it's a little overwhelming for me. Yeah. And when they're telling you, you know, don't line up unless your appointment's at 810 and it's eight in the eight o'clock in the morning, they just got a little bit too up in your face for me. I mean, I know yeah. they were doing it for good reasons. Right. Uh, and in May, I go back for the second. And I was very pleased that at uh, 8.30 at night, the only thing I had was a, a, a sore arm that was like on a scale of a one to 10, a one. And I had uh, a very 
strong desire to want to go to sleep at 8.30. That was just about it. So I had it on Tuesday, uh, today being Friday. I feel great. And um, looking forward to getting the one in May and getting 100% vaccinated. So I can't tell you whether or not to do that. Uh, I would tell you that um, I think it's going to be a good thing. And I think if more people do it, we're going to get herd immunity faster. So I want to thank you for always watching the Jay Moore Tech Talk show telling your friends, your colleagues, and your associates about us because we try to bring you the latest and greatest in technology, even if it gets controversial when it comes to how to use technology. Well, Marcus, I guess we have to say goodbye, right? It's always a pleasure to be here with you. And we'll be back next week when you'll get to uh, hear Kimberly Friedmutter uh, talk about her amazing book with me. Have a great weekend, everyone. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Jay Moore Weekly Technology Show, where we answer your questions about how technology is supposed to work and sometimes why you have challenges getting it to work that way. For more IT support and tips, just text IT support to 88811. That's IT support to 88811, and you'll get tips on technology. Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtowns Healthcare in Denver. Downtowns Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtowns Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown.